Steeler fans to another Wednesday night here on the uh, Steel Curtain Network. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. With me, as always, is Shannon White. How you doing, Shannon? I'm doing great. That wasn't technical difficulties. When the song was that nice, you play it twice. <laughs> there you go, Shannon. Hey, if it's Wednesday night, you know it's time for the curtain call. And here with us to talk Ohio State Buckeye football, Chris Rennie. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I'm happy to be back with you guys. It was a lot of fun. We've before the combine. Now we've got it. Ohio State's pro day was the day of the recording, so you know it felt it actually worked out pretty good that I'm back here. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're an astute listener of the show, Chris was on here about three weeks ago, right when the combine was starting, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of questions we had, and there was a lot of well, in the next couple of days. Uh, we'll find out more. And today, not only have we had the Combine, we've had the Ohio State Pro Day was just today. So there are a lot, a lot of updates to be given here. Uh, starting with the quarterback, C.J. Stroud, chose not to do the uh, measurables, the races. He didn't do any running, lifting, stuff like that. But he threw a heck of a lot of footballs uh, yes. and looked very good doing it. Tell us what he was able to show in these throwing sessions. Yeah, so it was it was a good day for CJ. I think I think he showed. Um, I know his uh, quarterback coach. I think it's John Beck's his name was emphasizing his ability to maneuver, throw in the pocket. Um, you know when those big pass rushers are coming down, how you can slide and stay on platform and deliver an accurate ball. And I felt like most of his work, he wasn't just standing stationary throwing balls. His quarterback coach was running at him. I want to say it felt like 70 percent of his throws. Um, I think the one thing that keeps impressing me, and I, I was thinking about this today when I was watching it, is like you see all these players on pads on Saturdays, but then you really get to see their athleticism when they're just running around in shorts and t-shirts. And it's like, man, these guys, these guys are such a high-level athlete. And that's that's why there's every 30 teams in the NFL were there. Uh, not all of them watching CJ, obviously, but I think CJ just was the highlight of the day that kind of showed. Ohio State offensively, uh, you know, we're probably going to talk about some defensive players today. You're you're going to find an NFL player at almost every position on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that is when you hear Daniel Jeremiah, when you hear the NFL Network guys talk about CJ's ability to just maneuver, do all these things. It seems like every year the quarterback at Ohio State's getting better at the quarterback stuff, and that's awesome. I, I want to I want to double up on this question because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm jumping in, Shannon. Uh, Last year, Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett, and what stood out to Kenny Pickett to me was uh, what I consider to be an incredibly important NFL attribute that most people don't really talk about, and that is when he's under pressure and he's scrambling, is he keeping his eyes downfield? Is he still looking to make a play with his arm, or is he just giving up and trying to run? Because, man, I can tell you with the Steelers with T.J. Watt against, like, Lamar Jackson, we just create a pocket – you know, keep the pocket intact. You get one rusher in there. They start looking to run, and they got nowhere to run. You've won the game. Like, you've won yeah. it. We, we, we did that to Baker Mayfield. We've done that to Lamar Jackson. Getting a quarterback who does that, and that's why it, it made it interesting to me that you were talking about how they were really trying to show that off, is that C.J. Stroud is a guy that when he's in the pocket, he's going to move, he's going to go around, but he's still looking to throw. Uh, does does that does that back up on, on tape, or did the, the – the, Ohio State, because I know in college, man, if you can run, that's a huge threat to the defense. That's a huge change up. 
Uh, but was he a guy that still was looking to make plays with his arm when he was scrambling around? Or was he a guy who, who was tucking and running and this is something new he's trying to add to his arsenal? Yeah, so it's actually funny. He actually had the opposite problem that most quarterbacks in college have. You know, you you alluded to, like, not looking down the field, sign of pressure, get out of the pocket, get as many yards as you can. CJ was always probably looking downfield a little too much at times to Ohio State fans' sake, where they're like, there's five yards there, there's 10 yards there, just get the 10 yards and keep the sticks moving. And, you know, coming from Urban Meyer coaching for eight years, there was a huge emphasis on that dual-threat nature of the quarterback. Uh, CJ is a great athlete, and he really showed in the Georgia game specifically uh, his ability that, hey, it doesn't matter if it's a projected first-round defensive tackle coming at me. I could sidestep this guy, deliver downfield, and do that stuff. And I think his biggest growth in that Georgia game was, hey, you know, I'm also still an athlete. Like, I don't have to keep staring down the field trying to get to a playmaker. I could be a playmaker myself. And he said it at the Combine in interviews with the press and with the media when he was doing his engagement. He was talking about, like, yeah, maybe I didn't tuck and run the ball enough. I, he's like, but that's also not fully my job. Like, my job is to throw. My job is to get it to targets downfield. So it is a balance, and I think that's one thing he wants to work on understanding better. But for a quarterback going to the NFL, I'd much rather have the guy who's looking downfield trying to throw the football than the guy whose first instinct when he's in trouble is to just take off and go. Well, Chris, first of all, welcome back. And, you know, I'm the guy here that asks the hard-hitting, you know, inquiring minds want to know questions. And my question for you is this. Last night, they said Mike Tomlin took anybody that was anybody out to dinner last night. Was you invited? And if you was, what did you have? Uh, I was not invited. Um, oh, I, okay. Okay. But I don't think it's because I'm not in anyone. I just think it's because my relationship with the Steelers has been quite complicated over the years. <laughs> I think you also, I don't think you play uh, an offensive line position that the Steelers are really looking for. Cause it seemed like you had a lot of big boys there, but uh, uh, I, I bet they were. Hey, there's a lot of guys. There's quite a few guys that a little bit bigger than me, a little bit more probably on the Steelers' radar to protect Kenny Pickett. So I, I'd assume those are the guys who are, he was he was treating to the nice meal. I've I seen different people say that the Steelers have so much of an advantage because Mike Tomlin could just have dinner with anybody. He gets all the top guys. And I'm like, well, if that would help us move up in the draft and get a shot at some of them guys, it's an advantage. It helps with the relationship for the second contract because, you know, makes some guys want to come to Pittsburgh. But um, we, we see the pro day, we've seen the combine, and there was rumors that the Steelers were interested, dipped their toe in the water with Orlando Brown to see if he had any interest, if he was in the right price range. So I never thought about Orlando Brown being a good fit for the Steelers' blocking scheme. But obviously they're going bigger. And they want a certain type of athlete to tackle. That being said, Paris Johnson is is a pipe dream because he's going to go much earlier than than the Steelers can target. But I'm thinking Dewan Jones at 32 uh, is is a really good fit. I, I wasn't as sure until the Steelers that rumor come out. Um. Since the pro day, and uh, well, that was the day, but since the combine, uh, what are you hearing as far as the teams that might be interested in him? And it seems like he actually 
performed better than a lot of teams expected. Yeah, I was actually surprised. Every time I see DeWan Jones move just with how large he is, like it is kind of amazing to watch, you know. And I think we forget in the NFL that there are quite a few tackles who are in that 360-pound range that are just moving so incredibly well. And with DeWan, I think he's just – he's a perfect swing tackle candidate. I think I said the last time I was on here – I still don't think he did enough to convince me he's an NFL left tackle, but you know, I think at that right tackle spot, I don't think you can really find a better fit in that second, third round range. I think he's going to be a second round pick. I don't think he's going to sneak his way into the first round just because there are always mobility concerns at the highest level when you're taking on TJ Watts. I know they'd be on the same team, but just an example, those top edge rushers, Miles Garrett in the division, um, on that left side and you know if you can't do that consistently it does kind of put a ceiling on where you're able to draft that type of player so i think that would probably work in the steelers favor because i like you look at all his pff grades from college you look at all those like numbers and stuff i think his final year him and paris johnson jr combined for like two sacks allowed in the regular season it was something crazy like that and at the end of the day, like I think you you get a lot of hype for the receivers, the quarterbacks, the running backs, but who makes all that possible? Who makes those long throws downfield to Marvin Harrison Jr. happen? Who makes those long runs from Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson happen? Who gives C.J. Stroud all that time to just stand there and deliver those perfectly placed balls? It's Dewan Jones. It's Paris Johnson Jr. And I think the work he's put in, because I, I I think I mentioned this, he came to school at like 410 pounds. Uh, mm. This is a big reason he was a three-star recruit and uh, it, big questions about how well he can move. And he was an elite basketball player in high school. So, you know, you see that, you project what he can become. And I still think he's just scratching the surface with his athleticism as he gets more comfortable, as he gets better at maintaining his playing weight where he's at. And I think that's something where there is upside there. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking, and the Steelers have uh, been playing Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle, who is not not a good left tackle, like movement wise, uh, but he's big, he's strong, and he's got length. And I was looking up Dewan Jones. All right, and for for Steelers fans listening, I want you to let this soak into you. This is percentiles for his size metrics, right? He's the ninety. This is going back from nineteen ninety nine <laughs> to today players at the NFL combine, right? 96th percentile height, 99th percentile weight, 98th percentile hand size, 99th percentile arm length, 100th percentile wingspan. He has the longest wingspan ever recorded at the NFL combine. Ever recorded. <laughs> like, if that dude, if Dan Moore Jr. can play left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dewan Jones can play ta- left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like he, like that's all I guys think because the the way the way we're going is big, strong guys, but they want long arms. They love doing a thing out of pass sets where you just come and just you get that first hit on them, boom, knock first them back, punch, and then yeah. get in your pass set. You got arms like that, man. Like it doesn't matter. You you got longer <laughs> arms than everybody else. That's that's a huge positive. Uh, and even if he's not a left tackle. The way Andy Weidel runs these offensive lines, the way the Steelers have been adding players, it's just add up a bunch of guys who are big, strong, and have long arms and let it work itself out. Someone's got to play left tackle. You know, somebody's got to. (laughs) He'd just be there. He'll be like the guy sitting there with Miles Garrett, have his hand on his forehead, be like, no, you can't can't get my quarterback. 
do you think he's a player that uses his length really well? Does he have a lot of does Does he use that length well, or is he a guy that uh, that that's that's still something you know he needs to he needs to learn a little better? Yeah. So I honestly think when you're at when us as Ohio State writers were asking what can Dewan Jones improve on this year, it was that punch in the pass rush and defending that. And you know this year he's had to defend uh, man, and I'm I'm not. I'm not always the best with opponents' names, but there was that good defensive end from Wisconsin, that guy from Penn State. You know, they're big schools, so they're always going to have good players. Um, you know, Mike Morris at Michigan, he's a guy that a lot of people are talking about. Um, those are guys who he had to defend on his side that, you know, most of the time, like the year before, they could get him with some speed. They could get into him quick. But those punches, those arm things that you're talking about that the Steelers like, that is something that I think he really improved upon this year. And I think that's a big selling point in his film. Um, his pass protection is is in the high. I, I would rate it with some of the best tackles in the country, especially on the right side. Um, I, I'd say the one area of improvement for him is using that length and those arms to get better in space run blocking. And if he could add that last aspect to his game and using his length, I don't think – uh, there, I think it raises his floor significantly. I was gonna say the sky's the limit for him, but you know he's always he's already kind of reaching the sky with his height and stuff. So um, <laughs> it's like his floor gets raised a little bit, and I think that would be if he could just get better at you know moving out in space, blocking with his hands, you know without holding. I think that that was kind of an issue with some of the the linemen at Ohio State this year is when they were getting to that second level, not fully known what to do and that's something Justin Fry is working on so if you guys need an offensive lineman next year Donovan Jackson's a guy uh but for DeWand it's really just about continuing to build on what he does so well pass rushing and build that in the run game because in line it, it it's really he's it's advantageous at any time to have a 360 pound guy when you need a yard uh, but when he has to get out and block a safety or get up to that linebacker who's running like four or five Sometimes he needs to use that arm a little bit to make that first contact a little better. The Steelers have been a lot of fans are wanting a wide receiver. That every year that's the you know, that's flashy. That's you know, that really is what people they get excited about. And of course, you've heard Jordan Addison, former Pitt Panther. Everybody wants to reconnect him uh with Kenny Pickett. But I've you know, I'm thinking later fourth round range before the stores even look at a wide receiver. But since I've been looking and trying to think of, I'm getting ready to write an article about some things the Steelers can do to improve the receiver room. I looked at Jackson Smith, Nigma and that guy. It's funny. Last year, the best route runner was Chris Alave. Yep. Uh, easily. And you see what he did with the saints without a great quarterback. And, Anytime you got a guy coming out and he's uh, Jefferson, when he come out, any of these guys, when they call him the best route runner, they are almost always successful. And everybody says that Smith Nigma is the best route runner this year. And watching him on tape, to me, it's not close. Uh, that dude is going to be successful, whoever gets him. Um, I'll be honest, if he fell to 17, I'd rather have him than Addison. I don't think he will. But I'm not wanting a wide receiver 17, but I'm just saying everybody's dreaming about Addison, but he will be the better player, the better professional, in my opinion. 
by far. Um, I we was just talking before the show that he clocked a four four eight today. Now, you know, four. He said he wanted to run a four four seven, and he almost hit it. So I guess he knows he's about a four four eight guy. Um, that takes away any questions about his speed, if there was any. But you watch him out there. One thing I love about him was his toughness playing out of that slot. He has no fear. And, you know, that we have a guy on the Steelers, Deontay Johnson, who cannot play out of the slot because he's he's frail and he's scared. This, you watch this kid. He's not. Um, did you get that, that he was kind of fearless, you know, watching him at Ohio State? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I think – uh, that's one of the biggest traits Brian Hartline uh, recruits for is that ability to be physical after the catch, be physical when you have the ball in your hands. Don't let that first guy tackle you. And that's something I think he does incredibly well. And he, I, I think, you know, you look at the combine stats, his short area quickness is uh, he had the fastest three cone drill. He had the fastest, uh, what is it, the 20 yard or the short shuttle. Um, and he, he was like, you know, I, I mean, we could be we could be very judgmental and say a four four seven. Oh, he's not the top guy. But how many times have we seen the guy who runs a four two four three flame out in the league? Oh yeah, <laughs> quickly. And it's like when you have the tools. And one of the ways Ohio State really loved to get Jackson Smith and Jigba involved more than I'd say Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave was those quick bubble screens. And that, mm-hmm. uh, like, not to bring it up, but he actually got injured on one of those bubble screens, you know, and he was trying to get extra yards running through people. And, you know, there's that fearlessness to get those extra yards. And I think you go back his best game in college, I think as a receiver was when Ohio state played Nebraska and his two longest touch catches that day. One was a touchdown. One was just a very long catch. We're not catches where he ran past everybody mm-hmm. and caught a ball and just waltzed into the end zone it was i caught a quick out i made this first guy miss i broke a tackle and now i'm out running everybody and i think that's a very undervalued skill set in the nfl um that ability to create after the catch and i think you know when you have a slot receiver who can do that i don't think there's a more dangerous weapon i think we've seen what cooper cup does for los angeles i think we've seen some of these guys in the past i He's just been in the news a lot, but when Randall Cobb was really cooking with Aaron Rodgers, it was a lot of that after the catch stuff, you know, doing stuff with the ball once it's in his hands. And, you know, it's, it's even, you mentioned him, Justin Jefferson for being so fast, for being so quick downfield. He's really good at creating when he has the ball in his hands as well. Um, you go through the list. Um, and I think, and I think where I'd rate Jordan Addison, another guy you brought up, he's very good at that stuff too. Um, I think his, Issues are where that short area quickness is where Jackson Smith and Jigba separates those athletic numbers. And people were questioning it. People were like, how's this hamstring going to hold up? It looked like it held up pretty well when he was doing the jump and when he was doing the running and he was catching balls inside, outside, down the field. And, you know, I just pulled up the depth chart. I don't know how much you guys have going on in the slot, but, you know, Deontay Johnson outside, George Pickens outside. Jackson Smith and Jigba inside sounds like a pretty solid trio. If you're going to evaluate Kenny Pickett, truly, you need to give him the weapons to be successful. And I don't think there's going to be a better weapon that fits what you guys need at 17 than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. Uh, Looking at some of the numbers he posted, his shuttle, short shuttle and three cone were incredible. 
And then when he ran his 40 time, his weakest part of that was his 10 yard split. Uh, and I usually, when I, I, I do this, when I look at wide receivers, I look at those agility drills to look at your short area quickness because you're never just accelerating in a straight line. You're releasing, you're moving different directions. It's always after you move, then accelerate. And almost all of the time when I see a 10-yard split that's bad, I, I think, is, is this because someone is, like, not a sprinter? Right? You know what I mean? Like, the guys who have those incredible 10-yard yeah. splits at wide receiver, they're guys who are on track teams. They know what they're doing. They know the footwork to get the most out of the start. He's not that guy. Uh, so I honestly, I honestly think he's probably faster on the field than even his 40 time is going to show simply because he's not a sprinter. Uh, but he has that incredible burst after he has that stop start speed, that change of direction. And then he's going full speed again. He's that kind of a guy uh, to me. That's a big deal. And I, I wanted to ask you this because with those elite times and with especially a 448 versus something like a, a mid 45, where do you think this changes? Because I think last time we talked, uh, we were thinking, you know, 32nd pick Jackson Smith and Jake, yeah. but maybe, maybe if he fell, we could get him in the second round, middle of the second round. Uh, is that even like realistic anymore? Do you think this guy is going to have to be taken in the first? Yeah, well, you know, NFL evaluators, crazy things happen. So we, we don't fully know yet. Like, you yeah. know, pro day times, they're a little different than the than the combine. You know, some guys will get some juiced up times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, I think he locked himself in that first round range, honestly. I just think when you hear all those reports coming out that people are just so wowed with how well he's moving around. Because, you know, the people – he's still catching passes at the combine as well. They're watching that just as much as they're watching the short shuttle and that stuff. And yeah. he performed well in that area. Um, I'm just trying to think here with, you know, where he was projected. Most of it was right in that 32 range. And there's, I don't think, I think that is by, that's the highest he'll go at this point. I, I just can't see him going any, mm -hmm. any lower than that bottom of the first round. Cause I know there's teams down there who don't need much and they would very much just be like, Oh, that would be a very nice car to have in the garage. Yeah. So I think with you guys, 17 would probably be where you'd have to get them or, you know, I don't know the flexibility you guys would have with that pick, but you know, moving down slightly, I think that 17 to 25 range is probably where he's going to land. When you was on last time, we, I was excited about Luke Wiper and we had talked because I thought, at the time, the Steelers could really, they, you know, they didn't have their free agent signings and uh, they could, you know, Cole could play guard as well. And I was thinking Weibler could be a guy that could come in and, uh, you know, you know, set that first year and learn and then maybe take over. And he looked really attractive to me for the Steelers. But with all their recent signings, uh, I don't, I think he's some of these guys I was looking for on the interior. Now I, I think that they're really going to be focusing on the tackles. But, uh, you know, wanting to give the young man credit, he had an excellent day today uh, at his pro day. And I think he really, it, you know, moved his value up substantially today uh, because, you know, he shows that he's more athletic than I think he was given credit for. Um, I think when you, you was on last time, we talked about him having a little bit of issue with power on the interior. Um, but, it, you know, it seems like his his numbers, I mean, again, it, you know, 
the bench press is different than uh, handling a, a 330-pound nose tackle. But uh, to me, he looks like he has good functional strength. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think sometimes when you're evaluating a center for the NFL, it's it's hard because they're so it's it's all in a phone booth, right? So you don't really get to see him get out and run. You don't really get to see him uh at that second level as much. You know, they'll come off double teams and get up there, but it's never really like in the NFL, people pull centers. Like that is a common thing to do. Like it is a requirement of the job. So you see more athleticism from that position at that level. Um and you look at all the guys, I think, you know, a big question about it was his arm length. And I, he didn't have the longest arms. Um, he didn't have like the best like offensive line measurements. But then I look around and I see a guy like Jason Kelsey in the Super Bowl, who's a smaller center. And I, I don't think there's a lot of red flags with him. I think you see what you get on tape. I think he's been a consistent player for two seasons as a starter. Um and I think when you're valuing an interior offensive lineman, does he show up? Does he bring a physical edge to his game? Does he get to the second level? Does he work well in double teams? Does he do these little things well? And if he did that consistently in college, I feel like that is something you have to value as a scout because even at the NFL, there's only so much athleticism that you can get out of a center. When like uh, You don't need your center running under a five-second 40. You just need him to be functional. Like you said, that was a great word, functional strength, functional athleticism. I think it was like, – like I said, it's hard to see that sometimes in college. But I think his pro day, he was moving around really well today. I think it looked smooth. It looked like he could be asked to do a little bit more than he was at Ohio State. And I think that's something that I think he wanted to prove and I'd be excited about it. He's definitely a guy I want to go rewatch a little bit as the draft gets closer. I'm um, just to kind of see what he really was like fully as a complete center at Ohio state, because, you know, like I keep using PFF, it's a very easy resource, but he, he was also a very highly graded guy in the big 10. So um, all that being said, I, I do think, I think he would, he, he's just a guy that, you bring in, he's going to push whoever's in front of him. And if he's good enough to start, like, that's really what you want. You want a guy who could be comfortable at all three interior positions. And you want a guy who could be a starter. And that, I think, in the third round, second, third, fourth round. I don't think second, actually. That was me jumping the gun, being a little biased there. But third, fourth round, I think you could find a really good value in him, even with the moves you guys made in the offseason. I think he could still provide value to that room. Yeah, I know the Steelers have like four starting guards, but you know we still only have like one tackle, or one one tackle and one center. Uh, we've got we got all the guards in the world. Um, I want to switch to defense, and a guy who has uh, kind of put himself on the map here a little bit at the pro day, Tanner McAllister, the safety from Ohio State, uh, ran the fastest time at the at the the at Ohio State's pro day, four four four. Uh, put up some other good numbers too. He's not the biggest safety, uh, but what, what does he bring at the safety position? What's his game like? Yeah, he played out of the, the nickel role in uh, Jim Knowles' scheme. So he was asked to do some over-the-top cover two stuff, but a lot of his job was playing in that robber role, um, you know, kind of the underneath coverage, a lot of band coverage. Um, and, like So – I know, I know the Steelers. Uh, they they have Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, he's definitely in that free safety role. You've got. Um, I know you guys have the 
the two safeties they're both pretty solid uh, if i remember from my watch yeah we brought we brought back Kazi. we haven't brought back Edmonds though uh so i i know there's there's good depth there and i think with that nickel corner position i think he could do both the you know when you bring in the cover guy as you said he's he's been he should i thought i honestly was impressed with his 444 i i didn't think he was going to be that fast i didn't think he was going to show that much athleticism um today but that that was a surprise to me and i think you know you look at a guy um multi-year starter at oklahoma state you know on a very improved defense he came in to ohio state and one of the biggest things they talked about was his leadership and i think with Fitzpatrick there, with some of the talent you guys already have in your defensive back room, I, I think that is a good culture fit. I think he really, honestly, when I look at what he brought to Ohio State, the kind of edge he brought as the fifth-year senior type of guy, you know, the experience he brought, the willingness to go in and compete at Ohio State with no guarantees of actually playing, and then go in and win the job because Jim Knowles wanted him there. I think, you know, to me, like, that sounds like a Steelers attitude, you know, and he was very team oriented at both places. He was a captain at Oklahoma state before he came to Ohio state. <laughs> uh, you know, the list kind of goes on with the intangible stuff. And, you know, I think at times, like he really showed great level of play on the defensive side and coverage, you know, in, you know, this is tough in college. Like sometimes you're there and you just don't make the play, but he was always there. And I think when you get to the NFL, and you have a guy like Mike Tomlin teaching you a little bit. I think you could take. I think you could take him, and you're gonna when you need a value pick in the secondary because you're trying to find guys to make the roster who want to play special teams, who want to do all that stuff. Tanner McAllister, it. I I feel like I'm getting real excited. I know, like I'm an Ohio State guy. Like I see this guy play all the time, but I, I he is a player like you really impressed me today. Well. Being an Ohio State guy, and I know how much uh, GB loves Ohio State as well, uh, Cam Hayward, would I'm sure he's pounding the table. I have a feeling for Zach Harrison. Uh, what, I really wasn't paying a lot of attention about Zach Harrison because I was really drooling over all the offensive linemen. But here recently, I've been – the Steelers – Hayward's getting older, and the Steelers need to get somebody for him to – start mentoring and getting ready to kind of step in. And they took Loudermilk, Isaiah Loudermilk out of Wisconsin, because he looks a lot like Hayward, but he doesn't play nothing like him. So it was a little bit of a reach in the fifth round. But Zach Harrison, I did not realize that man has an incredibly long wingspan as well. After Jawan Jones, he had the next longest wingspan. Uh, He would have the longest arms on the Steelers if they was to take him. And he has prototypical size for a 3-4 defensive end. Um, His explosive test scores were pretty good. Uh, You know, he really has a lot of the attributes I think the Steelers want in a 3-4 end. Um, Especially, like I said, with Cam Hayward and his familiarity with the program. And he was at the dinner last night, the one that you wasn't invited to. Uh, and it was all offensive linemen and Zach Harrison. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that tells you something that I think that the Steelers are looking for the big boys in the trenches. And used to, I'm used to Ohio State and have multiple options on defense for the Steelers to look at. But I was going to talk about McAllister as well, but I appreciate all that info. But 
Harrison really stuck out to me because of his prototypical size. My question is, because I'm not that familiar with him, what is his specialty? I mean, is he better against the run? Is he better against the pass? And what's his weakness? Yeah, all right. So I'll start I'll start with his weakness. Um, so as a traditional four three defensive end, when you're pass rushing, there's a you need a lot of bend to get around that corner, and that's an area where he struggled, you know, being six six, six seven. He's, he's incredibly tall. Um, one of the fastest linear guys on the team, I, I think I saw he ran a four four seven. I just I pulled up on Google. I don't know if that was today or at some point or his expectation, but he's fast. He's a quick guy. Um, it's just when he needs to turn the corner, that's not always his best strength. And that's why me and my co-host on, our, on my podcast over on Land Grant Holy Land, we were just hammering the table to put him in as a three technique. Like get him inside, let him use his length to like get on guards, get him pushed back. And they did it a couple games. They did it against Iowa and he had like three pass deflections. He had like a, a pass deflection that turned into an interception for a touchdown. He had a sack. He was an absolute menace at the three technique. And I know in the NFL, that's a very similar skill set to that three, four defensive end opposite of the outside linebacker. And I really do think, and I, we were talking on it last time. I think he'd be a great fit at that position. And, you know, you get 10, 15 more pounds on him, He really could probably be a, an apt replacement for Cam Hayward or at least a backup. Um, I'm not sure where he's going to get drafted. I'm not sure what round he's going to go in because I think his film left a little to be desired from a pass rushing standpoint. But I I really do think he fits what you guys are doing. And that with the, that's coming from a weakness standpoint. Like his weaknesses would fit in to like what you guys need. Like mm-hmm. there's not going to be a huge need for him to be a dominant pass rusher because you already have one. So he could do what he does well. Uh, from a strength standpoint that's uses length and that's in the run game that's in the passing game like hands up you knock passes down like you said longest wingspan or second longest wingspan sorry to um and he he just he uses his length really well when he can't get past that initial rush to alter passing lanes to get in quarterbacks faces he uses that length to get offensive linemen stood up so they can't push him off his spot in the run game so I, I, I think that his strength is those his strength his strength is his strength, honestly. And he's just a very physical, very good against the run defensive end in college. And with the personnel you guys have, like his weaknesses can be matched a little bit. And I think that's a huge thing that like NFL teams can see that and work on them with that while they're bringing them up and using his skill set to what you guys need. Chris, I wanted to say one more thing. You know, you was talking about his bend. Well, Cam Hayward's not a bend guy. <laughs> Cam Hayward's a break guy. He breaks yeah. people. He don't bend. He breaks them. And I think that Harrison, you know, has good reps on the bench. He shows some good power with them long arms. I think that Hayward can teach him to be a break dancer or a break guy, you know. So oh, yeah. I'm not as worried about his bend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's just like, you know, he – the, the reason I bring that up is because he followed Joey Bosa, he followed Nick Bosa, he followed yeah, Chase Young, yeah. and he was the next five-star defensive lineman. So we're all like, all right, here comes 15, <laughs> 20 sacks. And then yeah. it just never happened. But yeah. like I said, like 
we've had a couple of players that didn't necessarily put up the statistics that you wanted to see. Like I, another guy, he plays for the Broncos, Baron Browning. He's been awesome in a three, four, and that's just not what Ohio state ran. So there's just not a natural fit for him. And that's kind of how I feel Zach Harrison is. I don't think there's, he's a true traditional four, two, four, three defensive end. I really do think he fits in that three, four scheme either as that, defensive tackle next to the outside linebacker or as the strong side defensive end. And that's something that I I really think when you look at and you evaluate these guys going to the NFL, how can they fit better somewhere? And I think that's the role he can do that in. All right. Well, we got to take a break here. So we are going to let you go, Chris. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for all of your insights. Uh, gotta get a super chat here. Wes Hickok gives us two dollars. Says Chris, "Thank you for being here. Great info. Uh, we all second that." Um, before we before we let you go and take this break, uh, tell us tell people where they can get your you know football coverage, your college stuff. Yeah, so right now I'm writing uh, two topical columns about Ohio State spring football. I know, I know, there's a lot of Steelers fans who. Or a lot of Ohio State fans who don't like the two Ohio teams, they like tend to go to Pittsburgh for their NFL fandom. So if you guys are here and you're Ohio State fans, just click on the click on the other sites on SB Nation when you're done with all the Steelers stuff. Come check that out. Then yeah, my podcast. uh, We just changed the uh, podcast feed, Land Grant uh, Podcast Network. Uh, You can find my podcast on Fridays, um, and that's the Buck Off Podcast. So. Social media wise at Chris Rennie CFB. Uh, and yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And I really do appreciate you guys having me back. It's always fun to to sell Ohio State. I didn't realize I was gonna be a salesman today, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy to do it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank that's you so good. much for being on. Uh and hey, maybe we'll have if the Steelers draft somebody from Ohio State, we'll bring you back on. Let you talk yeah, about awesome. that after the draft. All right, I'll man. Sell, I'll sell them so hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for being here. Uh, have a great day, man. Uh, thank you. Have a good one, guys. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, everyone on YouTube, uh, stick with us. We'll be right back after this. And we're back. Shannon. Ohio State. The, 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 the rankings for me, a lot of these players changed. Like we said, we mm-hmm. last time – he was here. We were talking Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like he could be, you know, 32, but maybe even we could get him in the 50s. Maybe we even get him with the our our third pick, our 49th uh pick of the draft. I, I don't think that's happening. Do you do you think see, this, this is my problem with a guy like him? Like, like I know you love him. You know I love this guy. I, I think he would be a fantastic fit for the Steelers, a guy who could be in the slot and also move outside. Be like an Antonio Brown, Deontay Johnson type when Antonio when Deontay's contract is done. Uh, but the Steelers have a really good history of drafting wide receivers after the first round. What, is it worth spending a 17th overall pick on a receiver? No, I've, I've not been for it, you know, the whole time. And as much as he's impressed me by watching him, uh, you know, since we started to look after the combines, when you start really looking at film and, uh, he's very impressive. And all them guys that are great route runners, they just they transition to the pro game so much easier. And mm-hmm. they're effective right off the bat. I mean, Chris Olave last year, you know, I, I thought, well, yeah, he was the best route runner, but I had a few questions. Well, he, he looked great right, right from week one. So 
but I just think that the Steelers have uh, one the way they use the wide receiver currently. Um, I just do not see the need with all the needs elsewhere being there at seventeen. I think they can wait and still get a guy who can make a difference. Maybe the fourth round. Uh, there is some guys that really are going to fit the profile they're going to be looking for. So I, as much as I like uh, Jack Smith, Nick, I just I can't see it. One of the other things I want to go to because because I think I think we both talked about this. If there was a player worth trading up for at the time we talked the last time with him, uh, Paris Johnson would be kind of that guy just because you could put him at left tackle. And Steelers' line is going to be so much better, just across mm-hmm. the board, so much better if you have a rookie Paris Johnson at left tackle. Are you still in the camp? Would he be worth trading up for? Well, I think that you was interested in trading up, and I do not want him to trade up. Yeah, you'd rather let him go. Yeah, I don't I don't right. want to lose any picks, any capital. Uh, I think that there's going to be a guy who's really going to make a difference at 17 and at 32. If anything. I would be willing to trade, depending on how that those first 16 picks go, if the, somebody offered the Steelers a great deal and, and to pick up a third rounder or, you know, a fourth rounder, uh, I would even consider in that first round moving back three or four spots. Uh, but that would depend on how things fall. Because the Steelers, if they could come out with one of the top three tackles or one of the top three to four cornerbacks at, at 17, I think that, they would be better off than trading up. So, I, yeah, I, if my opinion is, if you're going to draft a left tackle, uh, you've got to get a top guy. You've got to get something guaranteed because otherwise, I mean, good left tackle still cost you. And mm-hmm. if your left tackle is just going to be like okay, right? Sign, sign mm-hmm. a free agent, sign a veteran guy. Mm-hmm. We the Steelers have gotten by with with low, like low investment in left tackle for a very long time. Kelvin Beachum. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva for how long now Dan Moore Jr. They don't put money at left tackle to me. If you're going to go big, go big. And if you're not going to go big, you know, then don't, don't sweat it. Don't sweat Mm -hmm. it. Like go other places, do your thing. Uh, if you think left tackle is getting taken off the board too early or getting too much money, then just don't, don't go get a good one. Don't worry. You know, have that be your weak link. Uh, Zach Harrison is interesting to me. You 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 were talking about him. I, I didn't get it to weigh in on that one. Looking at his athletic profile, okay, reminds me a lot of Bud Dupree. You don't have the agility. You have the explosiveness, that incredible explosiveness like Dupree had. But where Dupree was playing a little over his weight, like you're looking at him saying, like, you know, he's not putting on any more weight. Zach Harrison is a bigger framed guy. He's got yes. those bigger arms, stuff like that. I am, I did not think of him switching inside, becoming a three tech, maybe getting up there to 288, 290 and, and playing three tech. Is is this something you think this like could really, really work for the Steelers? Yeah, I, I mean, the way the, the Steelers run the three four and their dependence on the the edge guys uh to set the edge and to, and to, you know, turn the corner. You want, you know, to me, Hayward is as much a tackle as he is an end. Uh, and they did that for very, uh, different reasons for listening for the Pro Bowl and everything. But he uh, yeah. he uses that strength and he slides inside so much. He, to me, he's just like Chris Jones. 
he's one of the top defensive tackles out there. And when I seen Harrison, you know, I wasn't really interested in the first show with Chris because I'm like, he, he really doesn't offer him what I, I wasn't looking at him as a replacement for Hayward down the line. But now yeah. looking at him, as you say, like a three or a guy who could do both like uh, Hayward does, I said, man, he could easily put on 20 pounds and he's got the athleticism. Uh, to me, he seems like, and you know, again, the Ohio State connection there, I do believe that he would be a good, you know, possible replacement. And then to see him at that dinner last night sitting there, I'm thinking, wow. I mean, because they was guys they didn't invite, you know, like Jackson Smith, Nigma. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They was, you know, it was all big guys, Trench's yep. guys. And that's what they've been focusing on. And there he was sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh, man. You know, maybe Cam Hayward's like, hey, coach, you know, take a look at this guy, you know. Because, I mean, I know that uh, some guys are Michigan fans. <clears throat> And yep. some people are, you know, Ohio State and the loyalty's there. I have a feeling that Hayward's, you know, saying, hey, guys, you need to really look at this kid. If you had to pick one Ohio State prospect that you think has the highest chance of being a Pittsburgh Steeler after the draft, which one would you pick? Well, before the combine, I'd have said Wadler. Okay. Uh, but now with all the interior guys they picked up and everything, um, I actually, I got, we talked about it before the show, me and you. I think it's Jones. I think Dewan Jones uh, at right tackle. Here's the thing. You said they don't like putting a lot of money at left tackle. I still think a core four can play left tackle. Last year was the first year that I've seen a core four start to develop a little bit of a nasty. You know, a little bit after the whistle blown, he's still mixing it up. Mm-hmm. You know, still trying to throw a block 10 yards downfield. Used to, it was like, you know, he would do some shadow boxing there at the line, and then he didn't even go downfield or push the pile from behind. You started to see his intensity go up. I think it was uh, Pat Meyer. I think it was James Daniels and Mason Cole and what they brought to the equation. And you started to see the camaraderie and the chemistry build. I think Okorafor is a better player today than he was when they signed him, re-signed him last offseason. Yep, I'll agree with that. So I feel like that I would be fine with him and more battling it out at left tackle and let Juwan Jones have shot at right tackle, see how he does at camp. Now, I know that's not Tomlin's way. He does not like to start a rookie immediately. But I don't want to see... I don't want to see Dwight Jones battling a core for for the right tackle spot. I want to see, you know, uh, a core for and more battling for left tackle and see what Dewan Jones can do at right tackle. And I know it's crazy, but we talked about it with Orlando Brown. With that wingspan, he could even get a little work on the right side in preseason and see. Yep. I mean, on the left side, I mean, he really – could surprise some people because he don't have to move a whole lot because he's going to punch whoever he's going up against. He's going to get have the first punch on every time. And, you know, I think he moves off the wheel for a guy that's that massive. So uh, I, I think it, it very possible he could be there at 32. I, I that's, that's my pick too. Uh, looking at Mike Tomlin right there, 
at the Senior Bowl was watching him, cheering him on, specifically engaging with Dewan Jones at the Senior Bowl. Goes to the Pro Days, heavily involved there. Has him out to dinner. Dewan Jones is sitting there. I think this is a guy, if he's there, Steelers mm-hmm. could go for. And you are talking historic wingspan. Historic. Yeah. Like, that's incredible stuff. Uh, and when you look at what Pat Meyer does, if you think about it, we, we haven't talked about the, the, the acquisitions much. We kind of mentioned them. I don't know if we're going to – we're probably going to get much time to go into them. But you talk about a guy like Isaac, Isaac uh, Sayamalu. Mm-hmm. His awareness, his ability to help guys on the line, how quickly he transitions from uh, what his assignment is. You know, if you run something and you're, you're tricking them and trying to run through a different gap – how quickly he switches. If you're going to put a guy who's struggling at left tackle, who's going to have a little bit of an adjustment mm-hmm. period, that's the guy you want next to him. Yeah, That's the yeah. kind of player you want next to him. And if he goes to right tackle, he's got a very similar – he's got James Daniels mm-hmm. over there who knows what he's doing. You would have great veteran leadership whichever side of the line he's on. And for me, that, that just says, you know, you got a kid with that natural ability. You got somebody with that level of natural just size and strength. Man, you, you get them next to somebody who really knows what's going on. I think that can work. I, I think we saw that with Kevin Dotson, his rookie season, when mm-hmm. he was between Marquise Pouncey and Alejandro Villanueva, out of position at left guard. He did really good. That was his best season, and he had those two veteran presences next to him. The next year, he has Kendrick Green and Dan Moore Jr., and he looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably not sticking around, but I think if you're going to bring a rookie in, that's the kind of situation you do it in when he has that kind of veteran leadership next to him. I can't think of the, um, I would, I would really destroy his name. If I tried to say it, that monster, uh, right tackle that the Eagles got. Um, yes. I'm not even gonna try his name. I, yeah. But when, when he was coming out, I, I mean, I thought he played West Virginia Mountaineers in the ball game. Mm-hmm. And he was just crushing because West Virginia has a small defense line, and he was just crushing these guys. And I felt sorry for him. And I'm like, yeah, but he's not going to be a good pro because he don't have lateral movement, you know. Yep. And when he gets to pros, he's going to get exposed. Well, he hasn't. He's in the pros, and what's he do? He just mauls whoever's in front of him. And and I'm thinking Andy White likes that. That's what he wants. And he's already brought in two former Eagles. And talk to Orlando Brown, supposedly. And now, like you say, they're really interested in DeJuan Jones. So we might be seeing, uh, uh, you know, I think we are seeing a switch of how the stores are viewing the trenches and what kind of men they ha- want to have men in them. So, um, yeah, I think that DeJuan Jones makes too much sense right now. Oh, yeah. I I agree with you. I agree with you. Six foot eight. 36 and a, like three quarters inch arm, three eighths inch arms. Like, come on, man. And he's, and he's, he's strong too. He's not, he's not like long and he's just pushing out there and getting yeah. his hands out there. He, he, he does some damage. Uh, but what are your opinions on the Steelers offensive line right now? I know, I know you love pretty much everyone they brought in, right? Oh, I'm, like I said, I'm so excited. We talked about it on the hangover some. Um, what, I don't understand everybody talking about James Daniels uh, moving to center or going to the bench. Does people not understand James Daniels did not give up a sack last year? Yeah. I mean, 
you know, second half of the season, he was incredible. Oh, yeah. And when that line came he's, together, he's, he was anchoring it. He's the most athletic guy on the line. Yep. He's got a great base. He's got big lower body. He's powerful. He's got a good punch. He's a starter, man. He's not going nowhere. Now, I love Herbie, but Herbie has some limitations athletically. He's great in a phone booth. And I can see Herbert giving a chance to compete with Mason Cole at center. Now, I think Mason Cole will keep the job because Mason Cole is a great leader. He's a great communicator. And he, he just solidifies that line. And I, I think Cole is going to be even better this year, especially with Smalu on one side and Daniels on the other. And then, like I said, you, you know, whoever it is at left tackle, if it's Moore or Corfor, I still expect one tackle. And I'm like I said, I'm thinking it could be Jones, but let's say it's Daryl Wright or it's um um shoot the uh the kid from Oklahoma, I can't think of his name, Cody Mock, one of these guys, you know, most of them are right tackles, but they could be an upgrade, and then you let the more in a core for a batter without a left tackle. I'm expecting a huge jump and improvement out of that offensive line. Well, I I, I want to get on there because you're talking about how people are are trying to work this positioning all out. People are saying, oh, this guy's got to play here. Got The Steelers, whenever they have an injury at a key position and there is not a good backup, people, like the media, the radio, you, newspapers, like fans, everyone's like, you've got to have good backups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Steelers have good backups. If they yeah. go into training camp, with Kevin Dotson still there and all the guys they have right now, you've got four guys who were starters last year at guard. Mm-hmm. Well, two of them weren't like the greatest starters, you know, <laughs> but also like, why are we sitting here saying, well, you can't, you can't have depth, right? The minute the Steelers don't have depth, we're like, you got to have depth. Yeah. The minute the Steelers have depth, we're like, what are the Steelers doing? Too many. What are you doing? <laughs> You got to find a place to start these guys now. It's okay to have good depth, especially at guard. The Steelers run their offensive line through the guards. If your tackles are weaker, okay. The edge rushers come around, the quarterback steps steps up into the pocket and throws anyways, if you have really good guards, right? So we're four deep at guard. That's okay. We don't have to have overpaid tackles out there. Tackles are getting drafted super high and getting paid huge money. Yep. Build the guard position, have a good backup center, have good backup guards, and if something happens, your offensive line keeps ticking. Hey, I've got one that's going to blow your mind. This, you know, everybody's talking about Connor Hayward is a threat to Derek Watt's position. Nope, that ain't going to be the guy who knocks Derek Watt off of the Steelers. It's Nate Herbig. There you go. You imagine... Nasty <laughs> Nate Herbig lining up at fullback in front of Harris at the goal line and let him kill somebody. He's go- it's going to be like a runaway train, and he's going to trick somebody. They might even let him carry it, like the refrigerator Perry, baby. Give you him the fridge. Yeah, give him the ball and just watch him roll. And I'm telling you, Herbig is the guy who's going to be used in a multitude of ways. He's going to be a living legend in the still city. That's the guy. If anybody knocks Derek Watt off the roster, it's Nate Nasty Herbie. 
Oh man, I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm all right. I'm sold, Shannon. I'm sold. Look out, Najee. Nate's coming for your job too. He's, he's going to play fullback, running back. He said he'd play anywhere. He said he'd punt. So he's yep, up yep. for it. You know, Nate's up for it. Deontay starts dropping passes. Put him out there. I, I think we could have set it up in training camp, have a race between Nate Herbig and Benny Snell if they bring him back. <laughs> I think it'll be closer than people think. There we go. There we go. I love it. I love it. Well, we got to get out of here. Um, Shannon, you got anything coming up that the, to let the people know about? Well, uh, like I said, I had the article post today about the Steelers doing a little spring cleaning and then go yard sale shopping at the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks defensive line because they totally, you know, got rid of four guys. So, uh, are in the process of it. And, and some of them might be a good fit for a veteran presence there. So you can check that out. And uh, the next thing I got coming is three moves that the Steelers could make to, to maybe strengthen the wide receiver room a little bit. I'm not thinking it's as big a problem as some people do, but there is three moves they can make that I think would solidify going into training camp. All right. Uh, I've got something coming out for the Vertex. I think this is uh, my Nate Sugamalu. Peace, unless that was last week. I don't know. No, I don't it was know. today. It was today. That, was yeah. today. that came yeah. out today? Yeah. Okay, so go check that out. I loved his film. Uh, go watch it. He is an interesting offensive lineman to watch. There's a lot. Of, you have to kind of watch some of the, the small details is where Sigamalu really, really shines. Mm-hmm. So go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Check out the Vertex uh from dave schofield and i definitely definitely worth it uh and as as we're going out here nate nasty nate for the third safety put him in the box let him hit people let him <laughs> let him do it somebody said the new slash i love it i love it that's great put him everywhere put him everywhere you need a short yardage quarterback sneak nate herbig anywhere doesn't matter put him in there put him in a quarterback or the wildcat Presley uh, Harvin. Doesn't know what's going to hit him. He's going to lose his job to Nasty Nate. All right. I We're losing. I think we're losing our jobs tonight. All right. Um, so we're going to get out of here. As always, thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you for watching. Uh, make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're listening to all the other podcasts on the Steel Curtain Network here. Thank you so, so much for being here with us. And as always... Have a great week, and let's go Steelers.